You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today our message is about thanksgiving, giving thanks to God always in remembrance of you in Philippians. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. Great book of Philippians. If you don't have a Bible, I want to remind you in the front of your pew, there should be a little copy of the invitation, uh, the New Testament, uh, that is free to you. If you don't have a Bible, take it with you, and you can find this in that little testament as well. So Philippians chapter 1. You know, I can't believe it's already November. It's so hard to believe, and I was thinking about it being November and here's the thing, next week we're going to have Harvest Day Homecoming and Tyler's going to be here to speak, so I'm not going to get to speak next week. So that means I've got this sermon and the 21st and then it'll be Thanksgiving. I mean, it's basically here. I just can't believe it. So with that in mind, I thought I'd start this month off with a Thanksgiving message, a verse of Thanksgiving, and it's on your screen. There's all kinds of stories of Thanksgiving in the Bible. As a matter of fact, we just read one a few weeks ago when we talked about Joshua's altar on Mount Ebal where the people got together and they gave more than the minimum. But today my mind just keeps going back to that passage on the screen. I thank my God always for you. Every time I remember you, upon every remembrance, I thank my God of you, written by the Apostle Paul. It's found in Philippians And something I find so unique about that is the man, it was written by Paul, and the people, it was written written to the Philippians. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, if you have very much of a knowledge, the Philippian church, we first read about Paul's missionary journey there in Acts chapter 16. And the thing about Paul's missionary journey there and to Philippi was that it was a very unpleasant experience for Paul. You can read in Acts uh, chapter 16, verses 12 through 40. You read that Paul was followed by a slave girl. And this slave girl was possessed by a spirit of divination. She was a fortune teller. And it says she followed Paul around for many, many days. This lady was abusing Paul. She was making money off of, off of his gospel message. And in Acts 16, 18, it says that Paul wasn't thankful, that he didn't give praise, he wasn't joyful. It says that he was annoyed by this Philippian. That's the word it used. He was annoyed. After which, he commanded the Spirit to come out of her, and it did. Well, after that happened, he took the livelihood away from that slave girl and the slave girl's owners. And the owners of that girl were greatly displeased because he took their livelihood. So because of their anger, they, pu- they threw Paul and his partner Silas into prison. It says in Acts 16.22 that a crowd joined with them. A crowd joined in attacking them. And then amongst the crowds there was magistrates. And the magistrates tore the garments off of Paul and Sil- Silas. If that wasn't enough, they gave orders to beat them with rods, it says. Acts 16, 23, it says, And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. They were in prison until God freed them with the earthquake. And you, you can read the whole story if you'd like to, but I just want you to understand the context of this. 
So just think for a second. If you had an experience like this, where you were followed by this possessed girl that annoyed you so much, and then if you were beaten with rods by a crowd, by magistrates, and then you were thrown into a prison and your feet were shackled together. It's pretty incredible that Paul was able to look back and still say those words that you see on your screen. I thank my God. I thank my God every time I remember you. For a Christian, I can think of no greater compliment than the Apostle Paul to write that about you. Can you just imagine if you got a letter from the Apostle Paul and it said those words, Kevin, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Man, that's what we should strive for. And that's what I want to look at today. What was it about these believers? What was it about this Philippian church? What did they have? What was so special about them that they were able to override Paul's memories of being beaten with rods, being shackled together and thrown in a prison, being annoyed by a demon-possessed girl. What was it about these early Christians that Paul was able to write that about? So I want to read the full passage. It's in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, and we'll go through verse 11. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always. And every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Philippians is such a letter of encouragement. It's such a letter of thanksgiving. It's a love letter to the Philippian church. And once again, I go back to this. This is the kind of Christian I want to be. I want to be the kind of Christian that somebody like the Apostle Paul would be thankful for. What's the short answer to this? What's the short answer? Why was, why was he thankful for these Christians? The short answer is just simply this. They were the kind of Christians that God had called them to be. They were not super-duper great Christians. They were just genuine Christians. They were the kind of Christians that God had called them to be and that God has called us to be. Four things I have written here. If you want to be a Christian that Paul would be thankful for... If you want to be the real deal, these four things are mentioned in these 11 verses. The first thing you see that I see in verse 5, after he says that every time I think of you, every prayer I make with, with all joy, in verse 5 he says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. 
fellowship, for your fellowship in the day, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. If you want to be the real deal as a Christian, if you want to be the kind of Christian that Paul would be thankful for, we must be fellowshiped. We must be partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you go and look up fellowship in the dictionary, fellowship is not where we gather together and we just talk and we gather and we just eat and we just share good memories. If you look it up in the dictionary, fellowship really means a friendly association with people who share the same interest. It's like being business partners. We're in this thing together. Paul knew this, and he looked back at this, and the, the truth is, church, the furtherance of the gospel is not dependent on one or two men. It's dependent on everyone. I believe Paul was writing this letter probably from a prison cell, and he was reflecting on that, looking back, and saying, yes, I poured my life into these people. It was hard. I was beaten. I was thrown in jail. Things were crazy, but it was worth it because now... Now they're sharing that gospel. They're partners with me in that gospel. Church, every person in here, not just Brother Kevin, every person in here, every Christian should be fellowshipped, partners in sharing the gospel. Partner with me in sharing the good news. A good example is what we, we've done the last, last Wednesday night and, and Sunday night two weeks ago. It's fellowshipped. In the gospel, this last Wednesday night was not about candy. It was not about costumes. It was not about trick or treat. It was not about Halloween. It was about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same thing Sunday night at the judgment house. It was a great time. It was a good time. We prayed together. We laughed together and some cried together. It was about fathering the gospel. And because of that, we will have four baptisms next week. Because we are outreaching to our community. Not for Brother Kevin, not for Beth River Baptist Church. And in the Philippians case, it wasn't for Paul, it wasn't for Silas. It was for Jesus Christ. Listen, I know some of you get scared when we think about this stuff. But I just want to tell you, there's no reason why believers should be more comfortable sharing their opinions about politics. We have no problem at all sharing our opinion about Donald Trump or Joe Biden. We have no problem at all talking to somebody that's pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine if they're totally different than we are. We've got no problem. I could associate it with an Alabama fan last night while pulling for LSU. We've got no problem doing that. If we've got no problem doing that, then why in the world should it be a problem for us to talk about Jesus Christ? It shouldn't be scary. We're to be partners in the gospel of Jesus. Partner with me. Partner with Jesus. Years and years and years from now, when I'm unable to preach, I want to be able to look back at Beth River Baptist Church and remember you all with joy and thanksgiving. Not because of the good food. We're going to have good food next week. Not because of the good birthday parties like we had for Shannon and all this stuff. I want to look back and just say, man, it's so worth it. Because they partner with me in the gospel and we helped change the world. That's the kind of place that Paul was writing from. In Paul's prayer, another key that thing that I think he was thankful for. In verse 9, he says, and this I pray. This I'm praying for you, Philippians. 
that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. I'm so happy that we're partners in the gospel, but it doesn't end there. I'm praying that your love abounds still more and more in knowledge and discernment. That's what we're called to do as Christians. We should want to grow more and learn more every single day. We should be present in Sunday school and small groups. We should have a hunger, a hunger to grow more in knowledge and discernment. We should want to teach and we should want to be taught. We should want to study the scripture and we should have a quiet time daily. I thank my God for those of you that do that. Christians in 2021, we should be able to discern the truth from the lies. And we should only adhere to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And thank God, I thank my God that there are still Christians that don't bend or break on the truth of the gospel. That only happens by growing more in knowledge and discernment. By having a hunger for that. Every Paul should have a Timothy and every Timothy should have a Paul. We should all be discipling someone and we should all be being discipled by someone. Here's the third thing. Look in verse 10. He says that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. To be the kind of Christian we're called to be, to be the kind of Christian that Paul would be thankful for, we must be sincere and without offense. Sincerity does not mean that we're perfect. Sincerity does not mean that we never slip up. Sincerity does not mean that we don't lose our temper at times. Sincerity simply means that we walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Oh, the church today, and not, when I say the church, I'm not talking about Beth River Baptist Church. I'm talking about the church of Christ Everything, everything depends on sincerity. We need sincere Jesus lovers. People that love Jesus so very much. People that love Jesus and his church and his children. People who sincerely believe in this same gospel that Paul was beaten and thrown into prison for. Our love for the gospel should be so sincere we should be willing to die for it. You can read that. Look in verse 21. Paul writes about himself. And Paul says that this is the kind of Christian that Paul was. He says, listen, for me to live is Christ. In other words, for me to live is suffer. I'm going to suffer like Christ. I'm going to do everything I can to share the gospel. That is what my life is about. And if it costs me my life, well, then I gain everything that is a man of sincerity. We need men and women who are so very sincere that they would do anything for Jesus and his gospel. Talk about filling a, a leader with joy. And lastly, in verse 11, he says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Being filled being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. A sincere, look what we went over so far, a sincere 
knowledgeable partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's going to happen when you're those three things? Fruit is going to be produced. Fruit is going to be produced. You, you just can't do it. You cannot be sincere. You cannot be knowledgeable. And you cannot be a partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ without seeing fruits take place. Sincere, knowledgeable partner in the gospel is going to produce fruit. I, show me two Christians who are married together, that are sincere, that are knowledgeable, that are partners in the gospel, and you better believe their marriage is going to look different. You show me a church. You show me a church like the Philippian church who are those four things. Show me a church where the believers are so very sincere about their belief and they're so very knowledgeable about what they believe and why they believe it. And show me a church that cares so very much about being a partner in the gospel and there will be fruit that comes of it. Your workplace will look different. Your homes will look different. Fruit will abound when you're those four things. And man, whenever you see that happen... In the life of somebody you've invested in, of course it fills your heart with thanksgiving and joy. Paul lists some of these fruits in a believer in Galatians 5.22. Something that was shared with the trunk or treaters that were here Wednesday night, by the way. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love. Love, I mean, how can you sincerely love Jesus and not love His church or His children or His creation or His world? Or his establishment of marriage. Joy. Of course you're going to be filled with joy if you're sincere and knowledgeable. Peace. Who here doesn't long for peace? I can tell you how to have peace. You have Jesus, you have peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, everything that looks the exact opposite that you see outside, you can have inside with the faith in Jesus Christ. Four things that I believe that Paul was looking at whenever he thought about the Philippian church. His mind did not go to being beaten with rods. His mind didn't go to being in prison with the jailer. His mind went to the church. But I want to share with you one last thing this morning. We read the title of this book. And I've done it so many times. We say Paul's letter to the Philippians. And, and so many times we're tempted to think that this was written to all Philippians. Like he, writ, like he would write a letter to everybody in Liddyville, but that's not really the case. He wasn't giving thanks for every citizen in Philippi. Look in verse 1. Let's be a little bit more specific. Who was he thankful for? Paul and, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus. That's the author. In the next part, he says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who were in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. To all the saints. Bishops and deacons, they are saints. That's who it's written to. It's written to all the saints. When Paul looked back at Philippi, here's the truth. The citizens of Philippi, you had two different groups of people. You had the group of people that absolutely despised the Christians. The group of people that wanted to take the Christians like Paul and Silas and beat them with rods and throw them in prisons and shackle their feet. Then you had the kind of believers that said, hey, come to my house, we'll take you in. I see what you're doing here, Paul. I see the gospel of Jesus. I see it's making a difference. And all the way here in 2021, nothing, nothing's really changed. 
We still have that conflict going on in our world today. And you can't be in the middle. You cannot be in the middle ground. There's no middle ground here. You're either for Jesus or you're against Jesus. You're either the kind of Christian that is totally consenting to the beating of men like Paul or Silas. Or you're the kind of man or woman that would take a Paul in a silence in. And as a Christian, you're either the kind of Christian that Paul would look back and be so thankful for and so joyful for, for being a partner with him and making a difference in the world around you. Or you're just, you're lukewarm, a kind of Christian that's not thought about at all. So, If Paul was writing the letter today, are you a Christian that Paul would be thankful for today? If I got a letter from the Apostle Paul addressed to the saints in Liddyville, would it be addressed to you? Would those things describe you? Sincerity, truth hungry, being a partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think to many of us, it would describe us. But here's the truth, church. You can only be a sincere, knowledgeable partner in the gospel of Jesus if you've accepted that gospel of Jesus. You can only know Jesus sincerely if you know Him. You can only follow Him sincerely if you know Him sincerely. And what a great start to Thanksgiving it would be if we would all make the decision to follow Jesus in sincerity, to partner with the saints in the gospel, and to be truth-hungry from here on out. And the fruits, the fruits will abound. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope that you're the kind of Christian that the Apostle Paul would be thankful for. Have a great week, and I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving this month.